Bring yourself back online. Welcome back to Freeze All Motor Functions, a Westworld podcast that doesn't sound like anything to me and doesn't take itself too seriously, presented by Bolin Media. We are here today to break down and digest season four, episode seven of HBO's Westworld, which is the penultimate episode of season four. I am your host, Jared Borislow, known to many as J-Bone, joined as always by Sublime's biggest fan, and I'm referring to the host heaven, not the band, Mr. Ross Bull. And how are you, Ross? Man, I'll be honest, I totally did not realize that this was going to be the penultimate episode. And as I've learned in my history as a television podcaster, penultimates, the episode before the finale, whether it be the season or the series, tend to be a pretty big deal. And that was certainly the case last night, Jared. Yeah, as, uh, as the world's biggest Game of Thrones podcaster on your Game of Thrones podcast, Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, which you can listen to wherever you're listening to this, podcast right now you are well known as the penultimate guy is that i, I am hashtag penultimate and i'm sure that will be the case with house of the dragon too when it starts up in a couple weeks two weeks away from house of the dragon on hbo where we are obviously enjoying season four of westworld and we will be covering that episode by episode on oysters clams and cockles again as jared said wherever you listen to freeze all motor functions you can call you can find oysters clams and cockles uh so usually as you alluded to penultimate episodes uh generally have a lot of death Huh? Yeah, and this one was certainly uh, no different. Uh, maybe the most death of main characters of any show that I've seen in a while. Um, I, again, it's not necessarily permanent death, as we'll get into, but it was it was just very weird to be like, oh, look, everybody's dying. I mean, it was, in some ways, it was kind of like, just to keep it with the Game of Thrones theme, it was a little bit like the Westworld Red Wedding, almost, where... Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, lo- a, a couple, at least, of these executions were extremely unexpected. Actually, I'd, I would argue three of them were extremely unexpected. Yeah, I, mean, I think we knew Bernard was going to die uh, j- just because he said every, in every simulation he dies, right? So we already knew, but at the end of the series, that man's dead, considering yeah. he knows how it all ends. Yeah, he's been telling uh, us over and over for weeks that uh, he's, he's not going to make it out of this situation because he did not find a single angle or... Uh, um, other metaverse version of this world where where he made it through. Yeah, and one thing I will say, they did do a good job of making us think Stubbs was going to die this episode. <laughs> well, Bernard did a good job of making Stubbs think he was going to die in this episode. As that was unfolding, I was like, you could just tell him it's you instead of shrugging ominously so that he thinks it's him when Stubbs is like, I'm not going to make it, am I? And Bernard's just like, I don't know. I'll be honest, until you said that right now, I still thought Stubbs was going to die. I I didn't take that as Bernard dying. I actually still was like, oh, Stubbs is going to die. And I'm like, I'm still waiting for it to happen. I still think he's going to die. But now that you say that, maybe maybe you're right. It was great the moment when when Stubbs realizes he's not going to die, when he like, he like checks his chest. He's like, hey, I survived. I I survived. All right. Yeah, that was my favorite moment. He's like, he's like touching himself. Like, I mean, he's a Hemsworth. So like, we all want to touch his chest. Like he was touching his chest, but. He's tweaking no his nipples for us. <laughs> He's tweaking his nipples. Uh, we are once again not joined by Serena, who's unfortunately not able to make it because she has a big person job. Had it's a conflict true. of interest there. But again, Serena will be back, of course, to discuss the season four finale. So do not worry, folks. Do not worry. Yeah, we're sorry to disappoint the Serena fans two weeks in a row, but couldn't be helped. And we are making absolutely certain, as Jared said, that for the finale, for the final pod of the season next week, that she will be with us so let's jump right in to breaking down this episode of westworld the title of westworld season four episode seven is everybody dies just kidding it's not uh it's metanoia but my alternate title i think does fit quite well yeah it sounds like a a friends episode the one where everybody dies the one where everybody dies that would have been a pretty absurd friends episode (laughs) what would that even entail it's where where phoebe uh, snaps and murders everyone (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just goes on a killing spree. I mean, it was always Phoebe. Yeah. So according to my friend, Will Capadia, metanoia is an ancient Greek word that means changing one's mind. People who change their mind this episode, uh, there's a lot of them, Ross. They would include Char Loris, who changed her mind about operating the human cities and about kind of forcing the host to transcend rather than making them decide for themselves. 
and about transcending have, herself, she uh, yes, changed it, her mind. She did. She she was starting to uh, lead by example before Maeve interrupted her. You have the host man in black who changed his mind about being Charloris's lackey, and I am very. You love the man in black on man in black scenes, so I cannot wait to break that one down with you. That's that's your favorite category on Pornhub. It is. It's the only thing I watch. You also have Christina, who changed her mind about who she was, and she doesn't no longer think she's a human. She thinks she is a robot. And you have Bernard, who changed his mind about telling Maeve her fate after, well, you know, that scene, I really like the cold open, to, to jump ahead here. The cold open was literally just a big old deja vu, right? Yeah, I was really thrown by this, actually. <laughs> like... I thought that was so cool because I knew. Did you catch right away that we were in the sublime because of the aspect ratio change? It's it's hard to tell when you no. start off an episode with a different aspect ratio. It's hard to realize that it's a different aspect ratio because you're like, oh, is is this what widescreen always looks next, like? Next person to say aspect ratio is getting pistol whipped. I, I still don't know what that means, <laughs> but I'll describe it for the audience. It's the size of the box you're staring at, and it, when they do it as a cold open with this with a different box size i never ever notice ever um yeah just not something i've ever picked up on successfully so i did not have yeah. a clue until they they got a little further into it and i was like okay he's running he's running simulations with a fake mave here this is before obviously he goes and attempts to carry out this plan with real mave right yes yes Yes, it is in the simulation when he's in the in the tower with the Kichita running through all the simulations. This is one of those. This is the one he kind of used to figure out what his plan with Maeve was going to be. He looks tired. He, he stopped giving a fuck. He's just drinking openly during the missions. D just doesn't care anymore. He's like, God, I've been doing this for 30 goddamn years. Yeah, just because there was one version where Maeve said, I really need a drink, he decided to have a full open bar set up in the fucking place so that every time they go, he can... Uh, he can uh, Try to try to get some cocktails down real quick, you know? Hey, smart guy. Always always fit in a drink when you can. To get back to the episode title, Ross, in psychology, metanoia is the process of experiencing a psychotic breakdown and then having a subsequent positive psychological rebuilding or healing. And I think we see this in the episode as well. The Christina bathtub scene is the biggest one for me. She's clearly having some sort of breakdown trying to kill herself. And it's like, wait, I can't die and that just completely changes her mindset going forward yeah she it's less to me that she has a breakdown and tries to kill herself though and more that she has a breakdown and decides she is willing to die to find out if this is real or if, if she's actually uh unable to die so she obviously drowns herself and as that scene was unfolding i was sitting there thinking okay well i guess uh her boy lover boy is gonna have to bust down the door and save her life but the further she went into it, when she started struggling underwater and was still able to keep herself submerged, I was like, oh, she's going to obviously go through the human experience of dying, but not actually have the ability to die. Kind of like a rebirth situation, too. I would also Orla, note... Like a, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say Orla, just a really bad baptism experience. Yeah, it's the worst possible baptism experience, but um, metanoia... Also, is that uh, very accurately describes my life over the last two years. So now I'm fully creeped out. <laughs> you have a new life motto. I do. That's the motto. Metanoia. Metanolo. <laughs> uh, other people who have a metanoia, I'd say Charloris kind of as she's about to transcend a little bit. Host Man in Black, when he kills the real Man in Black, he seems like he was having a whole like crisis about himself. And then he's just like, Screw it, you cockroach, and just stabs that man. I had a feeling that our host man in black was infected, and that was confirmed, obviously, during the conversation with real man in black, telling him point blank, hey, uh, there's a small piece of me inside of you, and it's spreading like a virus, like an infection. Um, that was a cool moment, and, and like you said, I've always, I'm always a big fan of man, on black, man in black on man, on man in black scenes. Yeah, and there's also a small piece of me inside of you, Ross. That's true. Uh, I, I also think... You Caleb have said that went, to me before. <laughs> the Man Inside Me by Tobias Funke. <laughs> there's also Caleb when he meets Frankie. He definitely has like a, a bit of a breakdown, like kind of come into terms with his reality, and then he 
he, he, things go well for him after that. He gets a new jacket. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was about to kill his daughter in the ultimate like Westworld go fuck yourself moment. And then when he didn't, I was very excited. Well, consider this. The man in black killed his daughter. Caleb had the chance to and didn't. Very, very true. Very true. Interesting parallel there. Thank you, Ross. I thought that was quite astute. Very poignant. Very poignant. Okay. So the episode description, I know Ross hates these on HBO Max, is, quote, you wouldn't have a drink at a time like this, which is, I love when they do this because I just get to say, that's just a quote from the show. I, honestly, I, I prefer these where it's kind of a fun moment. Like for if you're rewatching or looking at it after the fact, it's fun. But beforehand, you have no idea what it means. Yeah, perfect. Don't spoil yeah. stuff. I hate that shit. I hate it when they give us too much. And as I've pointed out before, HBO has issues with this. Like we finished uh, watching The Sopranos on Oysters, Clams, and Cockles Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles, where we have done a companion podcast for every single episode of The Sopranos now. Um, but, uh, wait, what were we saying? <laughs> Not spoiling things. Oh, yeah. So they always put, like, an incredibly spoiler-based featured image for every single episode of The Sopranos, and then sometimes the description can be spoilery, too, which really pisses me off and doesn't make any sense strategically. So I'm appreciative of Westworld for being more just, like, confusing and cryptic than uh, throwing up featured images that give you the biggest surprise of each episode. Yeah, I'm happy they don't do that. Uh, people got mad at me because they said one of the YouTube thumbnails I picked once was a little too spoilery. I felt bad. I felt bad about it. Yeah, I don't think that would have happened if I hadn't like blasted it out all over my personal social media to people who weren't following FAMP for the specific reason of not having things spoiled, but it is what it is. It is what it is. So going back to the cold open, you, this crazy we had this crazy dichotomy of the simulation versus the real world. Now in the simulation, Bernard obviously knows he's running a simulation. He's doing this intentionally. May doesn't know she's in a simulation until she deduces it from Bernard's behavior. And we find out that Bernard in the simulation is trying to simulate Maeve's response to whether she would rather A, die trying to fruitlessly save an already doomed world. And when I say save, they they make very clear that the world is unsalvageable, but that there's a small amount of people and life they can save for the next world yeah it's the exact same strategy that elon musk has implemented here uh where he's going to take you know this the salvageable uh billionaire elite to mars and the rest of us will rot here <laughs> on this dying planet looking up their chemtrails wishing we could breathe them in yeah exactly just to have a taste just to have a taste of what those billionaires <laughs> are doing um who I, i'm still unclear on this who are the small select group of individuals that are able to be saved is it the sublime people i'm assuming it's either the sublime people or it's the uh, outliers or some variation combination of of the two It, it appears the sublime people are in deep deep shit because the the man in black is definitely headed in that direction or his host version of him rather um this this whole part of the show is really the biggest question mark for me moving forward is what exactly does saved even mean um bernard has been kind of choosy with what information he's he's shared with us right like he he ends up telling mave towards the end of their mission hey by the way you have to make this decision for yourself but this mission is a fucking suicide mission there is no chance of success um so he's withheld information there he pretty in my opinion purposefully confused uh what his boy that we talked about earlier what's his name Stubbs that uh that he might die so I'm I'm still a little bit I have some hope there I guess that that maybe there's more saving to be done than he's letting on perhaps um but it would be very Westworld to just destroy everything you think he's a don't get your hopes up kind of guy I, I can't tell, man. It, honestly, it's the it's the post-episode interviews with Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy that really have me hung up on, on what's going to happen there long-term in terms of humanity surviving or this world being salvageable because they have a very negative outlook on humanity <laughs> and yeah. and human beings, which I think a lot of us can identify with, but in, in the case of their television show, it concerns me that they m- might actually just wipe out the human race. So th- th- I feel like... If the two options for Maeve that are given essentially are go live in the sublime with your daughter forever or help me, you know, we're, or we're going to die, but we might be able to save the world for 
future existence, whoever that may be, it makes me think the sublime people have to be the survivors because if one option is she goes to the sublime with her daughter, doesn't that mean that has to survive the apocalypse? Yeah, and that's where we get a little bit murky because, look, I, I didn't like season two that much. Season three was much worse, but the whole element of the sublime was incredibly confusing. And just visually, it's still a little bit silly. It's like a tear in a page where you can see through to the next book almost or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I don't know, man. That's, that's going to be, I'm hoping they can conquer that challenge because it's their biggest challenge moving forward is making the sublime make sense in, within the story. Because everything else about this season, you can follow pretty easily, logically, common sense wise. It's not all that confusing like past seasons were. Um, it is still very, very fun and interesting. And we obviously don't know what's going to happen. But the element of the sublime is, is definitely the most confusing piece of the puzzle for me. And that might be in part just because I hold a lot of negative sentiment from when that was introduced to us and really became a focal point of the show. But it it obviously is a parallel, t- like, to heaven, right? Like, that's that's this is Westworld's heaven. Yeah. It's the sublime where you go survive and thrive with your loved ones or whatever and, and run around in a meadow with leprechauns. And uh, I don't know, man. Obviously, it's going to play an important role moving forward. I just thought it was odd that Bernard opens it up and then leaves it, like, unprotected, just chunks the deuce and leaves yeah. the sublime <laughs> open there at the fucking Hoover yeah. Dam. It's like leaving. It's like leaving your car unlocked, right? Like, yeah, it's like so leaving your car unlocked into... with all four doors open. It's like, hey, yeah, Russell through that shit. Like, yeah, you know, there, you know, there, I will say though, there are some, maybe he already knows Charloris is like working her way towards the back door, and they say that if you park your car in a dangerous area, take all the valuables out and just leave it unlocked, because then at least your windows won't be broken. That's true, and really, this is like the end game here is going to be who knew more than the other person between Bernard and Charloris because they both obviously know a lot of what is going to happen. How much, how much of which we're we're incredibly unclear, yes. but uh, that's that's where things are going to be interesting moving forward too. So th- again, the two choices Bernard gives Maeve in the simulation: a die trying to fight for maybe a future; b go live with your daughter in the simulation. Maeve says she would abandon Bernard's fruitless fight to save the world and go live in the sublime with her daughter if given the choice, which is why in real life, Bernard withholds that information, doesn't initially tell Maeve that they're going to die trying to save the world, uh, and kind of a little bit of a liar, but well, I guess a lie by omission, just like he did to Stubbs, seems like a Bernard theme this episode, huh? Yes, and I will also say my, my appreciation of Maeve's relationship with her daughter and longing to be with her daughter is, is pretty cemented compared to where it used to be. Um, even, even in season one, it I was always kind of like, who gives a shit? It's not even your real daughter. You're not even yeah. real. What, what, who cares about your stupid daughter? This is pretend you probably spent 15 minutes with her total in your whole life. <laughs> and, uh, the more the show has gone on, the, that sort of bridge has been built between those two things. Like it, it's almost the, it doesn't matter, right? Like if you, if you're sentient and you believe this to be your daughter and and that's your one connection to a loved one, you would want that. You would want to you would want to experience that. And for Maeve, it's always been her end goal to to be with her daughter or save her daughter from the man in black since season one. So yeah, it's uh it's getting crazy out there. I don't know. I still disagree. I think they should have given us like at least another 30 minutes of Maeve with her daughter in season one because her relationship with her daughter has been this crucial thing that drives Maeve the entire series. And like, we did not get, we know how much it meant to her. Like they really have driven home how much Maeve cares about the daughter, but I don't think they ever really made us care about the daughter, which to me makes Maeve caring about her hit less hard though. I do understand what you're saying in that. Like it's more about how Maeve feels than we feel, but it would be nice if we cared more. I know, like with Frankie, we we get lots of Frankie screen time, so we come yes. to care for Frankie, both young Frankie and older Frankie, and their relationship between uh, Aaron Paul, Aaron Paul and and her is obviously real, and it's, I guess it's like that's part, probably part of what made got me to make the jump for Maeve and her daughter because I'm watching a version of that play out now with Frankie and his daughter, obviously his daughter is real and he is not, but, uh, it's, it's still interesting. Yeah. So as we talked about later on this episode, Bernard feels too guilty and just straight up tells Maeve, yeah, I, 
I, I, I kind of led you to believe we could save the world and you'd be like, I'll chill and you have a, you know, go home to your daughter. But no, I, 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 I gotta, I gotta tell you something. Uh, you're not seeing your daughter ever again, unless you ditch me right now, which she doesn't, which she said, she kind of said she would, right. She said like, I would abandon you and she didn't abandon him. Yeah. It's, I, I don't really know what to, to make of all this yet. Like, because obviously things get really confusing when the man in black yeah, pops yes. up and offs <laughs> yes. Maeve and Charloris later in the episode, um, which we'll get to. But this is, yeah, this part I'm going to have to save for later. Okay. So Maeve ends up confronting and fighting Charloris after not abandoning Bernard and then gets killed by the rampaging host man in black, dying just like Bernard predicted. Now, obviously, her pearl was not destroyed. So we have no reason to believe she's forever dead, just like we have no reason to believe Charloris, also killed by the host man in black, is forever dead. And just like we have no reason to believe Bernard, also killed by the host man in black, is forever dead. So why do you think her pearl wasn't destroyed? Because we learned the pearl is bulletproof. This time, baby, the pearl is bulletproof. Oh, yeah. Well, then that makes it even Uh, more confusing because it's like, what the hell was the point of that? Well, so the way I see it, and it's just, this is the same issue we've been dealing with for six years or whatever, however long it's been. Death in this show does not hit hard for the hosts. Okay, we we I have no reason to believe. Like yeah, yeah, you shot them in the head, which means they are dead, which means somebody has to recreate them, right? So this might not be the death Bernard predicted for himself or Maeve. They might come back. Who freaking knows? The, if the pearl's not destroyed. The, I was trying to think of a cool rhyme. The girl's not destroyed. That works for Maeve, not for, <laughs> no, not it, for it, Bernard. It got to the point where I was like, okay, I, I was so confused by the man in black popping up and executing both of them after their long water fight that it made me question whether or not what we were watching in that scene was the reality or one of the simulations that Bernard ran, especially because there's a point where Bernard and Maeve are working their way. I'm sorry, it's actually... Um, Stubbs and Frankie, Christina and Loverboy. What's his oh, name? Yeah. Te- Teddy. Teddy. Christina and Teddy Flood turn a corner and go down a hallway, and without the scene changing, Bernard and Maeve come out that same ex- or, or whatever. It's two yeah, groups know, of people, and they cross with each other in a way that they obviously would have seen each other. So very clearly, they were showing us two different timelines or two different variations of reality. No, we have no way to obviously figure it out. Okay, so get your freaking pistol out, Ross, because I'm about to say it. Let's do it. I'm about, to, I'm about to say it. Ready? So we know it wasn't in the simulation because the aspect ratio didn't change. Damn it. However, <laughs> however I, to- I, I rewatched <clears throat> that scene three times where they walk right by each other. I'm like, I'm pointing at the screen like Leo DiCaprio. How do you not? How do you not? They're right there. They're right there. How do you not see him? How do you not see him? And then finally, at, at the end of the episode, when when Teddy tells Christina that this world is real, but she's not, I'm like, oh, okay. So something happened. Either it's what Charloris did or it's what the man in black did that made Christina no longer exist. And I think it might have been what Charloris did where she like ended the cities. So maybe, I, I don't know. Either way, I think that the reason why Stubbs and Frankie did not see Teddy and Christina is because they are in a simulation now. Like they're, they're living in this world, but aren't part of it. And I think that's why they were able to walk right by each other and not see each other. That's how I took it, at least. Yeah, this was really, really, really confusing because we've watched Christina all episode long interacting with other people or hosts or whatever, telling people what to do, giving orders, clearing out the building, setting off the fire alarm, getting the writers to stay behind and destroy all their narratives... And then she gets outside with Stubbs and she's going through the whole, like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And he's like, well, that's because you're not. You know what? That was, you're right. That was after what the man in black did. It was right out. She could not interact anymore after the man in black went and freed uh, freed everybody or whatever. He did his whole thing where he blew up the tower. So that is what caused. So what I think, the reason why they're in a, I I still think it's actually really funny because I'm not sure whether Charloris or Bernard is in charge of Christina's destiny right now. I still think Bernard is the one in charge of Teddy. And I think that video message he sent before the man in black killed him was to Teddy. 
talking about one final game for her reach out with your left arm. I looked really hard to see somebody reach out with their left arm. Teddy did not do it at the end of the episode, but wasn't referring to that. I still think Bernard is controlling Teddy, but I also still think Charloris is in charge of Christina's destiny. Cause like we talked about, like she, we know that she's controlling her. I think she's, I think Christina is in a simulation run by Charloris. And we also know Charloris runs simulations because they said that that's how she created the cities in the first place. And it's how Westworld was created in the first place before they ever made hosts and then had them go around. They did simulations. So we know Charloris is capable of running simulations. I think Christina is in a simulation uh, run by Charloris, but I also think Teddy somehow got his way in there and is operated by Bernard and like all that shit is like in a simulation, but like also kind of in the real world, which is the weirdest part of it. That is like, this is the first time we've seen a simulation that's also in the real world because we know that it was Christina who is in the same world as Frankie and Stubbs because she's the one who unlocked the doors and that's how Caleb was freed, right? What? <laughs> so, okay, back to the original question. Uh, like, so you're saying everything we saw this episode with Christina took place inside of this simulation? I know. So Christina herself, I think, is in a simulation, but is impacting the real world. So she can do things that impact the real world. She thinks she's in the real world, but after the man in black did whatever, she's no longer physically there. She's just like a freaking uh, see, see, I think you're overcomplicating it. I think it's that based on what you just said, the version of it that I could see is that none of what we have witnessed with Christina at all has ever been in reality, that all of it has been in a simulation for the reason that you and Serena have surmised in the past, that really this is all part of Charloris's plan to get the key to the Valley Beyond out of Christina's head, or whatever. Um, but it wouldn't make sense to me to have her in a simulation where she can also impact the actual real reality of the real world because that's too difficult to like make sense of long term. But, but, but we know she did that because she created all the characters in the real world. But how do we know any of that was ever the real world? I mean... And what would the man in black blowing up the tower have to do with Christina? Well, she's... I think Charloris is controlling her from the tower, potentially. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm not throwing away the idea that in some sense, everything we've seen with Christina has not been real at all but i do believe personally that the reason why caleb got out of that room was because as we saw christina unlocked all the doors and that's also how i think frankie and Stubbs were able to move around the building so like even if christina herself has never existed in the real world i still think she has been impacting it well personally. those could also be two completely unconnected storylines at this point like there's nothing to make me believe that the version of Christina's, uh, you know, awakening we see in this episode with um, Teddy Flood is taking place in the same timeline as what we see with Caleb. Like, maybe the version of Christina that we see with Teddy Flood finding out that she's not even real, not even there, nobody can see her, she's doing the full Sixth Sense experience is a before I don't know. That's see. That's obviously this is where we're going to get answers next week in yes. so, in some form or fashion. Yes. But what generally what we're pointing to are the biggest question marks moving forward. Like how did that work? And the only other thing I'll say about your your theory is with Teddy Flood operating as an agent of Bernard. I don't understand why he wouldn't have told her significantly earlier. Like yo, none of this is real. So it makes me think that Teddy Flood is actually part of the simulation and is part of Charloris' plan to try to get Christina's information or whatever, um, and that he's not, in fact, a good guy as we saw it or whatever. So it's just going gonna, gonna to depend on what we find out next week. And one of my main concerns is how much they're going to give us next week versus withhold um, and make us all bitch and moan. But yeah. I will say this. Before the penultimate episode, all of us were going, how the hell? There's only two episodes left. How are they going to close this out? And yet it didn't click in my head that it was the penultimate. And I thought there was no chance, no way they could possibly pack in enough stuff to make sense of the other five, six episodes we'd already seen this week. And they did. 
and they got us to a point where I think they can successfully close out the season in a, uh, a, a provable fashion. So we'll see. But it was a lot, man. This was this yeah. was one of the more mind bending, yeah, dense and and really difficult to understand episodes of this show, and certainly of this season. Yes, it, uh, this was, I think, the most confusing episode of the season. Like you said, season's been pretty straightforward. This one, intentionally, to set us up for some big reveal in the finale, is confusing. Yes, sir. So, the host man in black, uh, let's talk about that scene. He, he is pissed off that Charloris has decided to end the cities, has decided to like go full forward with that transcension thing. He feels partly a little bit human, because of his connection to the man in black. And I think that's why he's pretty pissed off that she's trying to like say, do a full cutoff and go straight to pivot to video, the straight digital world, whatever, whatever her, you know, whole end game is where she wants to live in the digital world and be kind of the God of the hosts and all the people in the sublime or whatever the shit. What? I mean, is, 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 what do you think? Does that not what you see Charlotte's plan as being? I got no idea what her fucking plan is now. She was just trying to put herself into a robot with gnarly legs and no arms and looking like a fucking Pathfinder. It, I had no, I, I have no clue, man. That, but the, to go okay. back to the man in black scene, to me, what happened is she sent the man in black to go execute that lady last week. He tells her, I won't even talk to her or the week before last, whenever that was. He's like, I won't even engage. I'll pull the trigger on site. And then he doesn't. And as a result, he gets infected by the humanity thing. And then he's like continuing to, you know, it's like coursing through his veins or whatever, robot veins. And he goes and talks to the man in black, the real one, because he's so thrown that he's like, what the fuck is happening to me? He needs somebody to talk to. As the man in black describes to him, he feels obviously a connection with him because he has a small piece of him inside of him and it's spreading like a disease or whatever. So I think he's become like fully infected at that point where he's got this version of humanity inside of him. And then the man in black obviously fully develops that thought from, yo, you're not supposed to save these people. You're supposed to end all of this. And, and only one of us needs to be alive to do that. So my theory about the host man in black freeing the man in black, not necessarily untrue, just depends on how you look at the uh, definition of freedom, I suppose. Great spin zone, Ross. Great, great spin zone. <laughs> Thank you. Because you could argue, yeah, he, he freed him. He, he freed his mind. It's like he made him smoke pot for the first time. Exactly. He freed his mind. And then, so do you think the man in black, the real man in black, died happy because he realized that his plan was going forward, even though his actual human body is now dead? Yeah, I think that smirk you see as he passes away is that he, even in this situation, still found a way to p- p- potentially um, fulfill his plan of destroying all of this, right? Because that's where he was eventually at as as a real human. He was in, yes, in the mindset that this all needed to stop. And it appears that is where uh, our now host man in black, who's running amok, murdering everyone, is at but th- th- that's where the question comes in like why host man in black knows he's got to destroy the pearls he knows how all this shit works why pop them both in the head and walk away it's weird uh, again something i've never understood since season one of this show ross yeah i i know that i know they're like impossible to destroy like yourself i, th- I think they're like made out of like some imp- like i don't think he'd be able to i think that would just give us a bunch of scenes of him just trying to stomp him out and like throw him against the wall and it's just not breaking yeah that one video with that robber trying to rob that like jewelry store with a brick and it's shatterproof glass and he just keeps throwing the brick off it and throwing the brick off it and it doesn't break i heard you have to take the pearl into and throw it into the fires of mordor to destroy it it's true it's true it's (laughs) that would be actually sick what a crossover that would be (laughs) yeah that'd even be better than that true blood westworld crossover we talked about (laughs) Um, yeah. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about Shirley Lawrence's plan. I still don't really get it either. I think her plan transcension to me is like leaving the physical human world and going to this new world. Charlie Lawrence has created where she wants to get all, all of the currently living in the, in the human world hosts and the sublime hosts to eventually go into, I think she's trying to be the God of this world. She sees as being the best path forward. Then what's with the robot race. body? I, that I think might be something that she can use to, make the rest of the hosts in the human world from her place in the transcended world like transcend i think i think that might be like a like a little bit of like a army of of hosts that she can control for, I, I don't know ross did I, you I, smoke I, what, a marijuana I'm, before this yeah so I'm that talking, that's the I'm thing that like asshole it destroys your entire 
transcendence theory because it looks like we witness her witnessing another host transcending into the robot body where they take the pearl out and they stick it in the robot and the robot like walks off with no arms and sick ass fucking springboard feet. So I, I do buy on to buy into the part where you said you think she's creating some sort of robot army. This is, looks like a, like an attack of the clones situation to me. Like there's going to be like 6,000 of these gnarly armless robots going around, just kicking everybody in the chest. Do you, okay, there is talk when Maeve confronts Charloris about like the human form. They're like, oh, look at you. You've kept your scars on your. Is it just about getting out of the human bodies? I mean, she keeps saying, you need to escape from your human body. We need to transcend to the next world. And I'm thinking more, I was thinking at that point, more in line with what you're saying, that it seems like what she wants is for them to abandon this shit ass planet and live in the metaverse, right? Live in the internet or whatever the fuck you want to call Play, it. Playing Fruit Ninja and, and doing VR chat. Yeah, just forever. But then the second that we start seeing Transcendence involve yet another robot body and seemingly a completely different one than we've ever seen before, I'm like, oh, she's got some stupid, crazy plan for them. It's like it's more about literally abandoning these human bodies and getting into crazy future Star Wars bodies. But yeah, yeah. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It could go either way. And I'm happy. I, I am happy that there are these questions because like that means we have some surprises awaiting us. Oh, we have a lot. And that's I mean, we went from me saying every week, like, I understand what's going on. I understand what's happening. This is nice and easy to follow. I appreciate how they've written this up. Like the whole season so far has been masterfully put together. And then, of course, in the penultimate, they kind of threw all that out the window and confused us as much as possible. Classic Westworld style. But I'm, I'm saying that in a way that was good, not bad. Like, I didn't leave this episode pissed off that they'd confuse the shit out of me. I just left this episode desperately wishing I could watch the finale right then because I have so many questions that I want answered moving forward. But I do think there were a lot of red herrings this week. Like, I, I feel like then the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, we really, yeah, we know less about what we watched happen than any other episode this season. And we, yes. we, we can't trust really any of what we, what we saw this week. So I, I mean, especially because of the, the thing you brought up about Christina opening up all the doors and then Caleb, that's how he's obviously able to meet his daughter and, and. That all, man, that made it so much more like, wait, what? Because obviously in the Because the, the episode, timelines match up too, technically, if she's in the simulation and walks through that hallway right when they're walking through, like, it would make sense that she opened the door. But it doesn't I, make I just, sense I, that a simulation would impact the real world at all. Because the whole point of the simulation is that it doesn't impact the real world. So you're able to run as many as you need to see what happens in the real world. Otherwise, Bernard would have blown everything up like 400 times by now. Maybe this is Charlotte. That's the sublime simulation. This is Charlotte's simulation. It's a different, it's, it's different. It's, it's, it's simulation two, electric boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. Well, Maeve two is shot in the head by the man in black. And that was extreme. After all this bullshit with Maeve being a weapon, that's how I know she's not gone. What the fuck would the point of Bernard digging her up be just to bring her along he lets her fight her to kill the mech. He lets he her fight he one mecha the because he's like, oh, she needs something to do or else she's really going to be pissed off that I dragged her out of heaven. And now, after all that, she just gets shot in the head by the man in black and it's over. Yeah, hell of a weapon there. Well, unless he needed Maeve to serve as a distraction for Charlotte Loris for the man in black. No, there's no way. Yeah, that, she could have gotten back. anybody. I feel like she's coming back. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life throws everyone curveballs from time to time, and going through those situations alone can prove extremely difficult and exhausting. Many, many people have found having a licensed professional who can help talk them through life's twists and turns to be extremely helpful, and that's what you'll get with BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Ross, everyone knows you're a huge proponent of therapy. Why do you think everyone should try therapy? Because if you're going to watch a show that's as frustrating and confusing as Westworld, you need somewhere to let the feelings out. And, and, and sometimes I talk to my therapist about Westworld, man. That's just the way it goes. No, I'm just kidding. But obviously, like you said, life can be very challenging. I think it's been challenging for all of us the last few years, even, even more than ever. And uh, therapy has been a huge tool in my tool belt to not only maintain but survive and thrive through this past few years. Could not more highly recommend BetterHelp. It's awesome. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. 
You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to be on camera if you don't want to be. And getting therapy every week is as easy as a few clicks on your laptop or phone. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself and they have a special offer for our listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash famf that's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash f-a-m-f there's a link for that deal in the description of this episode all right we got a couple loose ends to tie up here us caleb in the beginning of the episode caleb finds out he's being used as bait so that charloris can kill his daughter which understandably upsets him but the episode goes much better for him after that like i said New jacket. That's a big day for a lot of people, getting a new a new jacket. Pretty nice. He also ends up escaping. That's probably more important for him. Uh, escaping with Stubbs and Frankie. We talked about the great Stubbs moment. Uh, we didn't talk yet, though, about the reunion between Frankie and her host dad, kind of. It's her dad. She thinks it's her dad. He thinks he's her dad. Did, that, did, did, did the reunion not hit as hard when you know it's a host? Yeah, I mean, like we talked about, for the same reason that Maeve and her daughter's relationship is difficult to give a shit about, it's 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 weird, but it's also, like I said, it's it's a thing that's clicked more for me because if the consciousness is there, then the feelings are there, whether they be um, code or not. And we spent so much time this season talking about what makes Caleb special. How, why, what is, he's an outlier, he doesn't have to be, obey Christy, or uh Charloris's orders even when he's a fucking ho like it just there's been so many questions around him and what his deal is that obviously they're saving for the finale because I don't think that progressed any further was that the the last scene we saw of them when they escaped they escaped that, yeah they escaped they went remember that's where he got the jacket everybody started fighting each other Stubbs they were in like a train station and they Stubbs made, locked that gate so they could run away and then they just ran away and so, so now are we to believe Frankie, are we to believe that because Charloris was predisposed with Maeve fighting in a pond, that that's the reason that that C, which is for Cookie, and we found out that's actually real, uh, because she's always sweet. It's fucking stupid. She, that is cheesy. Um, because they, she goes in and they're able to escape. They're able to just... So that is after. So the reason why they're able to escape is because the man in black made all the humans start fighting each other which happened after he killed Charloris. Okay. Oh, yeah. So he, well, he kills Maeve, kills Charloris, kills Bernard, blows up the tower, everybody so freaks out. Yeah, so she's not there to stop them at that point. Yeah, and she wouldn't have been anyways, because if, even if Maeve never came, she would have been transcending. So I guess maybe her long-legged host would have been kicking. body could have stopped him. She would have been doing big <laughs> kicks. Kicked him with the springboard legs. Ding! Just, just, it's like a knife. It just slices right through me. We just have a, a robot, a robot looking like an ostrich, just with a leg straight through Caleb. She's stomach. got Oscar Pretorius legs or whatever that dude's name was who yeah, murdered his wife. True. Yeah, he he did murder his wife. Yeah, I think he's Notably. in prison still. I don't know. I think he I believe he got out, Ross. It was a, a big news. I believe he I believe he served a minimal amount of time, if any, and uh, is currently out among us. Huh. We're the same age, me and Oscar. Pistorius. So, Frankie, Caleb, and Stubbs, I guess they're the main power players left when it comes to saving the world. I mean, Christina and Teddy, I don't know if they can save the world. Maybe they can. They're in a simulation, I guess. But we also, I guess, still have Bernard, Maeve, who are dead but not dead. I, I don't know what was going to I don't know how it's going to end. All I know Here, from that one, one teaser thing, Man in Black goes to the Sublime. He looks at it. That's all I know. That's all I know It's going to happen next episode. Man in Black looks at Sublime Rip. Yeah, he goes to the Hoover Dam. That's all we know. At least takes a look-see. But the thing for me that I keep remembering in the back of my head is there is another season of this show. All right? They've already contractually agreed to two more before this season came out. So we, it would be pretty awkward if, if next season is just like, like a family guy, like a white blank space, you know, <laughs> with fucking... May have stand like, in there. It's just modern. It's modern family, just with like Caleb, Frankie, and Uwade. I just or don't. I just don't think they can end the human world and then have anything to play with next year. So it's again. Uh, that being said, I also don't know what the fuck they do with the human world at this point. Like, is next season them having to go around and tell each person individually, like we had some stuff happen? All right, you were under control from these cones that make noises. 
but now you're good. Go back to living your life peacefully. Uh, we have no idea. Yeah. I mean, they are fighting and killing the shit out of each other in, in what we see after the man in black sets off the everybody fight and kill each other button. So who knows, man? I mean, I, that's, that's why we're as confused as we are is because the amount of different things we see that we didn't think we would be seeing this week at the very least, maybe next week, um, that really got me. Yep. Uh, last thing I really have to say, Christina seemed really interested in learning more about Dolores after finding out she was a robot, some sort of like self-discovery there. Like maybe wants to find what she's all about. If you know your history, then you know where you'd be coming from Bob Marley style thing. Yeah, for sure. It just gets really weird when she's, I mean, he starts calling her Dolores and y'all had, yeah, that, y'all had that theory that, much. that Charlotte Hale, Charloris wanted Christina to become Dolores so that that would, like, unlock whatever in her head. And, I mean, this all tracks with that still. You know, uh, you're kind of right, Ross. You, you have me more so thinking Teddy has been... Are, are, am I falling into the trap? Are they trying to lead us to believe that Teddy is under Bernard's control, especially with that video message he sent that makes it sound like he is? Oh, certainly, really? that's, this is all part of... like they, Look, they wanted us to be where we are right now, right? Like, this is the first season since season one where they've executed pretty perfectly all all season through just to get to the finale and now they've got us right where they want us in terms of we're all thirsty for answers and we want this confusion to be dissolved and they can give us that next week and and it'll be a huge win or they can fuck us and uh look i don't think anybody who watches this show is 100 percent convinced that they won't do that like there is still a big chance that they tell like that it's because it's almost like one of the interesting things about the Sopranos to me is that David Chase, the creator and the writers end up hating the characters and they end up hating the audience for identifying with characters that are supposed to be hateable and evil. And in this case, Westworld, after season one, obviously there was like some resentment built up between the creators and the audience because of all of the, the, the spoiling and the guessing and the redditing and the bitching and the moaning. And then it got worse in season two, season three, they completely dropped the ball. Everybody's freaking out, you know, angry, confused, sad, uh, all of the above in my case. And then now they've sort of, they, I I've called it the greatest recovery I've seen in TV. And it, it, they're about to finish that off if they can close it strong next week. Because as confusing as this week was, it was supposed to be confusing. Like, we're not yes. supposed to have the answers. You're not supposed to be able to go listen to a podcast right now that can tell you exactly where we're at in Westworld. It, that would ruin the fun, first of all. But second of all, anybody that tells you they know what's happening is a fucking liar, unless that person is Lisa Joy or Jonathan Nolan. Yep. So let's hope they can land the plane, Ross. I just know, I, what, I say that because I know there's a lot of smart aleck internet fuckers out there right now, Jared, trying to print off exactly what's happening, writing all these think pieces and shit about where we're at in Westworld. And I'm like, bro, I, I get it. You want to break down the episode, but let's not pretend you know where we're going next week because that's absolutely ludicrous. There's no one watching this week's episode going, oh, I see what they're doing. It's not no. possible because, as we've said repeatedly today, there's... The, we need to fidelity test every scene that we see in order to even know if that's the correct reality we want to be dealing with. So, I mean, it's it's as messy as this one was, as much as it felt like we were back in season three or two where you're just kind of scratching your head like, I'm not smart enough to do this mental gymnastics with you right now. I think that is incredibly intentional. I still got the same vibes off of their post-episode interview that I did from the weeks prior where I was like, oh, they're cocky. They know they got this train back on the tracks and they're waiting to ram it down our throats. And uh, I think that's going to happen next week. That's my personal opinion. I, I am like 95% sure, confident, not sure. I'm 95% confident that we will get a bunch of the answers to the questions you and I are asking today next week and that this will end in a manner that we can understand enough of it to be excited for season four because that would be, or season five rather, because that would be the ultimate goal of this season is to make sure they crush it enough to get everybody that was here back for season five. Right. And really the ultimate goal is to crush it so hard that everybody who watched season four can't shut the fuck up about it. So all the audience that jumped off the wagon after season three will come back and watch both season three or watch all the episodes in season four before season five and be caught up. Yeah. They, uh, as we know, they had quite a bit of a drop off in viewership after the first season and after the second and, 
very much so after that. Yeah, the big drops were after season two and three, and they're confusing drops too because streaming numbers are not accurately included in a lot of what we see reported as far as viewership goes online now. And for that reason, it's it's difficult to tell. We know they lost a sizable amount of audience though. So like I said, biggest goal possible would be crush it so hard, make this season so good, and, and a complete story is necessary, right? We have to feel like we've crossed some kind of finish line in the final episode in order for this to even be possible, but then to get people excited enough to tell everyone, like I've kind of been doing all season, like, hey, they're back, I promise you, like, this is legit, I'm not just saying this, they have fully resurrected what was an incredible show that fell the fuck apart, and I've never seen it done to this extent before, Um, and like I said earlier today, if they can close out this last finale, this final episode with making me feel closure making us feel like we got something out of the season more than just being like, wait, what's happening next year? I think uh, we're in for a real treat here, Jared. Well said, Ross. Well said. That does it for Freeze All Motor Functions Season 4, Episode 7 Recap. You can and should follow us on Instagram at Freeze All Motor Functions and Twitter and TikTok at Freeze All Motor. Ross, where can the people follow you? At WR Bolin on Twitter and Instagram and listen to the Ross Bolin podcast wherever you listen to FAMP. And like I said, August 21st, House of the Dragon, HBO, Oysters, Clams, and Cockles is your companion podcast all season one long of House of the Dragon. You can follow me at Jared Borislow on all social media. And if you like Formula One, check out Formula Bone, my F1 content brand. Thank you all so much for joining us here today. It is time for the NPR style sign off. Freeze on Motor Functions has been brought to you by Bolin Media and is hosted by me, Jared Borislow, along with Ross Bolin. The show is produced by me, Jared Borislow. Special thanks to Phil from DC, a.k.a. Schnapple on SoundCloud for our intro music and Brad Hess for our outro music. Until next time, folks, until the final episode of the season. Fam, 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 fam.